The Movie Hour, episode 49, August 27, 2009. Spoiler alert, the following hour programming may contain both movie plots and swag. Welcome one and all to the Ashen Kutcher Movie Butcher Movie Hour. I'm Greg Maloney, and I'm here to say... We have returned. We being, of course, myself and my two faithful co-hosts, James and Jeff. How's it feel to be back in the swing of things, guys? You guys, you guys ready to rock? This feels weird, to tell you the truth. It's weird. A hundred dollars. Only a hundred? Like one bill, a hundred, or like a hundred one-dollar bills? Because uh, there's a hundred one-dollar bills thrown difference. up into the air in a strip club. <laughs> yeah, that's a huge difference. James, you should be invigorated after that vacation. Which, uh, I'm tired after my vacation. You kept me up too late. Doing nothing. I'm already beyond my uh, weekly uh, bedtime tonight. So, uh, yeah, this we are trying to trying to uh, fit everyone's schedules once again. Doing a, a late recording, but we're back on track. We're uh, we've had to pre-record some episodes, but this is right on time. We usually record on Tuesdays, and that's uh, that's today. But we'll be releasing this on Thursday, so don't be confused if you listen to this. You'll be a uh, you might be lost, but yeah. Uh, James and James and uh, myself are out on vacation for a little while. Thanks for everybody who uh, had to deal with a couple episodes with without movie reviews and without uh, some Parker Posey responses. But we should come back strong today. Turns out we were not right about Zombie John Hughes, which is a real yeah. shame, I think. Well, no, zombies. I thought Zombie John Hughes was actually correct, but what didn't work out was the GI Joe discussion of how much money it would make. It actually ended up making a lot of cash. It was in the fifty million. I know that. Yeah, it's, wishful uh, thinking. I have actually the no, fifty-four million. Fifty-four million for GI Joe: The Rise of the Cobra. That's way more. Stupid. That's way more than the action figure was with frog suit and kung, kung fu, fu grip. grip. Yeah. It is, and I'm sort of upset. I didn't see it. I know I sort of promised early on that I would see it, regardless of how bad it was, but then I saw more and more clips from it, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And I've heard some really terrible shit about it, so I'm I'm happy I didn't catch it. But we did catch a lot of uh, a lot of other great movies uh, over the week, and I know some people were mentioning, like, you missed the movie reviews, and I promise we're going to make up for it. This will be the episode. You guys will be wowed. All movie floored. reviews. One yeah, full hour. The Action no. Kutcher Movie Butcher we, Movie Review Hour. <laughs> we still have a... Uh, this is our last Aliens in August episode also, which will be uh, sort of like loop, looped in at the end for uh, sort of uh, strung together with Jeff's special movie review that we'll, we'll get to. But let's actually uh, let's actually start. What's well, you're special? You don't know what's special? Well, yeah, I, I'm special, and everything I oh. do on this show is special. Understood. Yeah. Uh, so, Jeff, let's start with uh, your other movie review before we get to the the highlight number first number one stage one. So, what's what's this other movie you want to talk about? Today? So, since we have podcast, I am hard back on the Netflix wagon. I've seen actually quite a few movies, um, and I want to talk about two of them. One, just very briefly to set the stage, I recently Jesus. saw the latest uh, Guy Ritchie movie, Rock and Rolla. Um, yeah. I've, we I just, talked about this before. The three but. words that, that come to mind when I think about Guy Ritchie now are failed to develop. It's it's the exact same movie as Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, his first movie, but not yeah. as good. And it's just a shame because Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch, showed so much promise, and he has absolutely failed to develop at all as a director. What he should be developing into is... This movie I uh, is a director that does a type of movie that I the other movie that I saw or one of the other movies a movie called In Bruges, um, 2008 movie starring Colin Farrell, uh, Brendan Gleeson, who is actually you know who Brendan Gleeson is whether or not you want to admit it to yourself. He's uh, Hamish from uh, Braveheart for one. Yeah. Uh, he's M- Mad Eye Moody Mooney from uh, whatever it is from the Harry Potter movies. He's uh, you, you know this guy. At any he's- rate. Um, it's these two are, are hitmen that are basically sent to Bruges, Belgium, uh, after at like to lay low after a hit, and uh, the hit kind of went wrong, and it's sort of a major plot point what went wrong about it. So I'm not going to tell you all about that, but a phenomenal movie with really really vivid characters and kind of like that whole like gangster scene, but a lot more uh, like serious and actually uh, character driven and uh, it, it, sort of dealing with important issues, but very funny at times as well. It, but also there's like you get a huge emotional connection, and there are some serious 
questions about, uh, the, you know, the movie kind of asks and you ask yourself about life and, and how to live it and all that. And it's just, it's these two in Bruges uh, dealing with with the issues of being a hitman and, uh, and kind of the pros and cons of that and uh, all these different things that, that are going on in their lives. And eventually their boss winds up telling Brendan Gleeson, uh, who is Colin Farrell's good friend and fellow hitman, that he needs to kill Colin Farrell because his hit has just gone way too wrong. And so he needs he needs to off this guy. And so you've got this, this friend situation. And uh, there, there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of very interesting, interesting pieces of dialogue in this movie. Uh, introducing to me, anyway, I, uh, this, in this movie was a, a young lady from France named Clemence Poissy. I might not be saying that right. Uh, I might hmm. be Posey or something like that. But she was wonderful in it. Uh, she played... Uh, Colin Farrell's sort of love interest in the movie, she was phenomenal. But I highly recommend the movie In Bruges, especially if you're a fan of, like, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch. It's, uh, it's less, like, amped up than, than those are and less fast-moving, but it's a lot more cerebral and a really interesting flick. Uh, two Gunga Pit users have actually been trying to get me to see that for a while. Uh, Michelle W. and Barris have both mentioned it. And, uh, interesting. Again... Yeah, keep keep sending those to me because um my Netflix queue is starting to roll back together now that uh Butch Cassidy's been sent returned back to uh, the Netflix world. But um yeah, I'm, I should be pumped to see it. Do you still have it? Is this another no, one that you've already no, sent that, back? That, that one's oh, that one's okay. long gone. I'm, I'm, I'm oh. like two after that now. I've been watching movies like a fiend lately. I'm so, glad that uh, somebody I know has seen it and you like it because I've been interested to see this ever since I heard the critics you know rave about this thing. So it's nice to hear that. Jim, Somebody I really that, think you will like this movie. Yeah, I, really I think it's do. in my queue, so I'll have to definitely check it out. You know what, if Jeff, you get a chance, uh, give me a call when you get it, because I'd like to see it again. Oh, okay. Oh, that's cute. And James, we, we are the critics now, man. Like, we, we're not we're not normal civilians, like, walking around. Like, I walk around, and I'm just, like, look at all these normal people. I'm not I'm not one of them anymore. <laughs> these, these mere mortals. <laughs> these an- <laughs> these Don't perpetuate any stereotypes that might be flowing around. That's all I got to so, say. Jeff, you, I think you, you sort of alluded to it, but is there any actual hitting going, like any hits going on in this movie? Is it about killing or is it just, a, it's mainly just about them trying to lay low after the, the hit going wrong there and trying to figure out what happened? There is very little action going on okay, in this movie, right. actually, which is kind of surprising because I remember seeing like the TV spot for it or something anyway and thinking that this is a movie with a lot of action, but there's actually very little action in the movie. Um, okay. But. Don't let that throw you for a loop. It is very interesting and funny, and the action that does go on is very intense in it. Okay, so Jeff, you can you can take a rest for your your debut later, uh, your super, super movie. Uh, James, James, what you got? Um, I also ended up seeing a uh, movie that came out in two thousand and eight. Um, mine's called uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. It's oh, a, uh, it's a comedy, and I know we've talked about it a little bit, but uh, no one's ever actually reviewed it before, so I uh, decided to check that one out. Um, it stars Jason Siegel um, from How I Met Your Mother and from the whole Judd Apatow clan group. Um, he plays a character who does the music for a CSI-style TV show, who is dating, and he's also dating the star of the show, who's played by Kristen Bell of Veronica Mars fame. Um in the beginning of the movie, you can tell that he's, you know, very, you know, set in his ways and, you know, just kind of happy where he's at, but he ends up getting dumped by Kristen Bell's character. He takes it hard, just needs to get away, so he decides to go to Hawaii and just all by himself just to kind of, you know, forget it all, relax, that sort of thing. Um, it turns out that Kristen Bell's character also decides that she's going to Hawaii to, you know, get a vacation, but she's there with her new boyfriend. So the rest of the movie is about the hijinks that ensue, basically him trying to cope with the fact that his, you know, ex is there with a new guy and, you know, trying not to, you know, take off and, you know, look like he's got his tail between his legs, but still, you know, enjoying himself too. And he ends up meeting a woman there, uh, one of the uh, the employees for the resort that he's staying at, and she is played by uh, Mila Kunis of uh, Family Guy Voicing and uh, That 70s Show of Fame. But, uh, yeah, it's one of those raunchy comedies in the style of uh, the Jed Apatow stuff. Um, the, the other notable people that are in it are uh, Bill Hader, I believe he's from SNL, uh, Jack McBrayer, uh, and his usual kind of character from uh, 30 Rock, uh, Jonah Hill and Paul Rudd are also in it. Um, the comedy isn't quite up to the normal Apatow stuff. Um, 
I found that there was a lot more, a lot, a lot of like too much whining by Jason Siegel's character. He was, you know, playing the I'm in the dumps type of you know guy way too much. I thought um, there were definitely had its moments though. Uh, the romance part of it with uh, him and Mila Kunis kind of played the typical pattern. You know, a couple dates just for fun, end up falling in love, one pisses off the other, and then the big question, you know, do they end up getting back together before the end of the movie type of thing. Um, overall, pretty good movie. Um, not amazing. Uh, worth a watch. Uh, the thing I found kind of interesting was uh, Jason Siegel actually wrote the movie as well. Yeah. And two things that were kind of interesting about that is, A, there's a lot of male nudity in it on the main character's part, so I don't know if he wrote it for himself <laughs> knowing great. that he was going to do that or if he just ended up getting the part for his own movie. So I found, found that kind of be intriguing. And then, uh, uh, the other if I could cut is, in there for a second, I actually heard an interview with him on NPR, and he was talking about how he watched a screening of that movie with his mother without telling his mother <laughs> about any of the male nudity, and how, like, at first he thought it was going to be funny, but then, like, he realized that it was a huge mistake to surprise his mother mortified. With, with, yeah, with his own yeah. male nudity. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah. And then the other thing <laughs> I was thinking about is the whole, he's the actor and the writer, but yet he's dealing with this other person who's directing the movie and just how much play he has as far as the, you know, the overall scope of the movie, whether or not, you know, Hey, you can't cut that line. I wrote that line, you know, if you, if there's any of that. So, you know, nothing that I can answer here, but just kind of a couple intriguing notes. I still, I'm still having a, the jury's still out on Mila Kunis too. I don't know what I think of her as an actress. Like she's in the, what was that stupid, um, Shit, the one she was, the, she was in that video game movie. Yeah, the video game one. What was it? It was with, uh, Max Payne. Yeah, uh, Max Payne. Good yeah. job. I've only seen her act in this in '70s show, so I don't really know right. much about her talent. She is hot. I didn't know, she, and I didn't know but, she was doing any Family Guy voices either. Yeah, Which she does. Meg. She do? Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I guess that does. She's going to be in the new, uh, the new Mike Judge movie with uh, Jason Bateman. Yeah, oh, yeah. Playing, yeah. I'm guessing the exact same role she played in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, but I could be mistaken. Yeah, and speaking of uh, Jason Siegel, we I don't I don't know if we reviewed this. We did no, watch we uh, I Love You Man recently too. Yeah, that, that was that, actually we did that's actually uh, next to my cue. It really was pretty yeah. funny. It's pretty good. Pretty I, my good. my opinion of that the last scene in that movie was so bad that it left a bad taste in my mouth about the rest of the movie. But it was a very funny movie. Yeah, you're Agreed. talking about uh, I Love You Man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Not to not to eclipse your forgetting Sarah Marshall movie. It also. So I I am not sure if you mentioned is, is this a recommended or is this a let it pass? It's it's worth a watch I think. Um, the the worst part about it was listening to him whine just a little bit too much, but other than that it was pretty good. Awesome. Um, uh, one movie that I would like to discuss again I sort of watched a couple, but I w- would like to highlight Inglorious Bastards mainly because it's. Of the times it came out Friday, um, Jeff was also there. He was there. He was there. I was uh, there. Fantastic movie. I'm just going to start with that. Uh, a lot of things to mention. Quint, this is Quentin Tarantino's. I guess you could say it's his ninth, depending on what you exclude, but ninth feature film. Also, if you include Death Proof, uh, this ends up being. This is a remake of the original Glorious Bastards, but it has a lot of different twists on it. And it's the story goes. Uh, Brad Pitt's character, I forget the lieutenant. Aldo uh, Reigns. Aldo Rain, uh puts together a special squad before the actual invasion of Germany, or I guess it wasn't more Normandy, more like. Um, they end up going behind enemy lines, get shooted in, and this is well before the actual invasion, and they're supposed to go in and just break up the Nazi ranks and pretty much demoralize yeah, everybody just there. destroy morale. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what is misleading, though, is... Th- they mentioned many times before in reviews and in like little teasers that this all these men that were going to be involved were uh, people that were supposed to face firing squads beforehand. Like it's like, hey, you can either die or go serve your country doing this, and that wasn't part of the movie. I don't at least the final cut that. version. I don't remember yeah. hearing that actually. Yeah, it's it's out they were there. All like Jewish it, soldiers. Yeah, yeah, they are Jewish soldiers, but they were soldiers, but they were also people that were supposed to be face fire firing squad or do this. And, huh. It uh it ended up not coming to coming to pass. Is, is that the original movie. or something? I don't do know actually. I no, mean, I'm I guess it I do must not know. Been the original. Cause... Yeah. Um. Anyhow. Uh. So starts with that, and yeah. Uh. We might. I'm not going to spoil it too much. I don't want to go through the end. This is a very new movie, and I want people to go see it and not be let down uh, too much. But uh, it goes from them and landing in Germany, and gives a couple stories like sort of Quentin Tarantino style. He chapters it out. 
and we have a couple different elements you're dealing with that meet together at the end. There's like five or six chapters, uh, a lot of sort of pulp fi- fiction esque uh, story where in the beginning it inter- it uh, introduces the German SS character Hans Landa, who is uh, awesome. Colonel Hans Landa, who steals the show. By the way, there was really good acting in this. Like the guy Christopher Waltz, which uh, is the German guy Hans Landa, and Just it plays Christoph, pretty much not the Christopher Christoph. Oh, is it Christoph? Just Christoph. Really? Hmm. Anyways, uh, so going from that, uh, yeah, it is Christoph. He's right. I'm sorry, I had to check because I don't believe Jeff at all. I don't blame um, him. Yeah, Entertainment <laughs> Weekly also raved about that guy. Yeah, pretty much from what I can show. tell, it looks like all he's done is like German TV, but he does a great job in this movie. He was you excellent. Just, yeah, you hate his guts and you love, like everything he does is just amazing. Um, Look for him when you go see the movie, because you will see the movie. Uh, also, uh, so anyways, you get interested to in him. He's the badass SS guy that's uh, also nicknamed the Jew Hunter. And it comes, the whole plot turns into the Inglorious Bastards, led by Brad Pitt's uh, Aldo Rain, and Hans Landa and his pretty much German crew uh, pretty much intervene, come together at the end at a theater that's owned by a couple other side story characters that are meeting together. The Inglorious Bastards are going and infiltrating to try to kill Hitler because he's going to show up at this. Not just Hitler, a, but like Goebbels yeah, and Bormann ton, yeah, and a ton, bunch of other high up Nazis. It's yeah, intense. tons of high up Nazis that are coming together for a pretty much a German nation nation premiere to pretty much, uh, uh, I guess, increase the morale of the, the German troops. So they're all coming together. The Inglorious Bastards come to pretty much assassinate everyone. And on the side, you have, uh, it's, uh, pretty much all in German occupied France. And the theater ends up being, uh, owned by a, a French, uh, well, she was, uh, French when you, I don't want to spoil too much. Sorry, I'm sort of stumbling over, uh, my spoilers here. Uh, a French woman who has, has it out for the Nazis and she plans her own, uh, her own revenge also, uh, at the theater. And it's all them, not knowing each other's plots, dealing with each other at the end, and of of course a classic Quentin Tarantino climax, and it's it's awesome. Um, couple specifics I wanted to bring up: the soundtrack is really good. Uh, it's for those that aren't Quentin Tarantino like fans, big 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 lovers of his work. This might be a distraction. Like with his music, it's always in the foreground. He he never gets music composers to do it. He always controls the music. And uh, I believe he ended up getting, like, a, he got a French composer to do a lot of the work, and then he took some some cuts from some German propaganda films, and he used uh, some David Bowie songs, especially for the end, and uh, Billy Preston shows up in there. A lot, of, a lot of eclectic stuff mixed up in this. And it's really good. I think he I think he placed them in the right places. And, you, like, you can just tell, like, Quentin Tarantino is written all over it. But... Uh, very good. Might be distracting for people that aren't aren't ready for it. Uh, one other thing uh, that sort of returns back to this: it's Gun Standoff City. This is another. This might be a Quentin Tarantino crutch. Actually, um, he loves his gun standoffs, and it shows up again in this movie, sort of like a la Reservoir Dogs, uh, it, which in Pulp Fiction also. But it's I don't know what it is. Like maybe it's just the whole bringing up the climax to the standoff and then seeing what happens and unravels. But he does it again in this movie, and I don't know I don't know what to think about that part. Uh, one last mention before, because I know Jeff's going to want to mention some stuff. Um, Quentin Tarantino's getting better and better of just building anticipation in a scene. Like, what we sort of, I mentioned the gun standoff thing, but, like, there was tons of meals where you're sitting down and the stress is just building inside of you, like, what's going to happen? And he executes it very, very well. And, like, I would really recommend seeing this movie. Uh, one last, 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 last note. Mike Myers is in this movie, and he shows up just for a little bit, and he does a pretty funny job at being a, a British, ugly, a really hilarious guy. Ugly British he makes guy. yeah, he makes fun. He makes fun of the Brits a little bit in this movie, and it's 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 sort of it's good. Brits and Nazis, you laugh at both of them in this movie Br- more than Nazis, but it's it ends up being a very interesting a very interesting story with, with a lot of comedy sort of written in violent and uh, just a uh, written comedy, and it's 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 good. 
Uh, Jeff, go ahead and then uh, mention your two cents if you have them. Uh, so writer Eli Roth as Sergeant Donnie Donowitz, a.k.a. the Jewish bear, or the new yeah. bear, is phenomenal in this also. I just I, He's okay. The character is amazing. It's so well written. Uh, and yeah. he, does, he does a good job. But uh, I can't believe you didn't mention Till Schweiger as yeah. Sergeant Hugo Stiglitz, one of the coolest characters in, in the movie. Uh by a long shot. And then also yeah. I want to mention that there were um, some really, really funny parts of this movie. Uh, it was, there um, are. You know, in classic Tarantino style, like some very, very funny parts interspersed with incredibly violent violence. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it was it was very good. And they, they definitely, I was really worried that there was going to be a cheesy, um, and I don't know why it was, because Tarantino really hasn't given me any reason to fear this, but like that there was going to be like a cheesy love story in it, and there wasn't right. really at all. And I was very, very, very happy with this movie. Um, I had high expectations, and it it met them. Yeah, two uh, two things. I don't want to, again, I'm not going to kill any spoilers here. Uh, Diane Kruger is also in it of uh, National Treasure. He, she's done some big movies, and she actually is, so, like, I, I think I remember mentioning to you, like, yeah, that was Diane Kruger, and you didn't even know until I brought it up. Like, she does a good job of just playing a low-level character in the movie, and, and I think I think pulls it off well. The last thing, did you, so, do you, like like I mentioned, like, is it another movie where just the movie's, the song, the music's way in the foreground, and it was sort of... Like, was it distracting at all to you? Like, if you could pick a bad part about the movie, there what would it be? the one scene, and I don't think it was bad. I, you know, I mean, you, you, you kind of yeah, yeah. accept what Tarantino does. Yeah, if I had gone to your head, bad part about the movie. Um, I really didn't like the, the music in the scene where the woman's setting up the projector and getting that really? thing already. Really? I didn't, I, I think that might have been the okay. uh, Billy Preston song. I, I'm, I really wasn't a fan of that music for that situation. Okay. Gotcha. Uh... And, yeah, again, sorry. Well, we won't spoil anything for you, but go check it out. Great yeah, movie. Yeah, definitely see this movie. And uh, if you, I know if you go uh, to the star during uh, during the weekdays, I know not, not everybody has as much time as us stars and critics, but if you can go during the weekday, you can get that, you can get that steal. Uh, get it, go for cheaper. Get that matinee. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I also, I also wanted to mention, uh, I forgot, the, I left this movie feeling fantastic. At, <laughs> at the end of this movie, you feel like a hundred dollars, and I think this is the only Nazi movie I've ever left bill feeling kind. that way. Yeah, the single bill, hundred dollars. Yeah, the single bill kind, guy. yeah. That, I might still be going, yeah. I, 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 I thought the end of this movie and the bill at the end of this movie was just absolutely awesome. Yeah, James, uh, what, you're gonna see this movie, yeah? Like you're a Quentino, Quentino, Tino fanatic, right? Like this is all you. Yeah, I definitely want to see this movie. This is pretty much the only movie I've been looking forward to all year. Yeah, it, it was uh, one I was de- I was definitely happy to spend my money on, and it paid off. And uh, maybe I'll go see it with you again if you uh, pick one of those week- weekday times where I can uh, make it for cheap. We'll yeah, I'll just quit my job and go. That'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I guess we can move on to our. Uh, I sort of want to hang on to Glorious Bastards because it's so nice, but we'll move on. We'll move on. Uh, Jeff has a special treat for us in terms of our another movie review, but this is going to be sort of placed into our Aliens in August section. This is our last episode of Aliens in August, so we want to sort of look to the future. We're going to be discussing a little bit about what we want to see uh, come from Alien movies in the future. See if we can actually put together. I don't know. Maybe we can come up with our own movie, our own Alien movie. That'd be interesting. Uh, and maybe some movies that are actually coming out soon that uh, include aliens, and if they actually have any any uh, any justification to go see them. But uh, yeah, Jeff, go ahead and hit, hit us with your last movie review. Um, if I was gonna try and make an alien movie, I would want it to be as good as a movie I saw recently uh, called District Nine. I really like this movie. Um, Peter Jackson produced it, but really I don't think had a whole lot to do with it aside from that. The director and uh, writer was Neil Blomkamp. Uh, who was a guy that was born in South Africa, um, and then actually uh, he, it was co-written by somebody named Terry Hatchell. I'm not sure who that is, but um, it's a, he has a, this uh, Neil Blomkamp hasn't really done a whole lot else aside from this. He did a couple of other movies that I haven't heard of. Yeah. Um, and really the cast is all pretty much no names as well. And the kind of the idea behind this movie, and I really am happy that we did our Aliens in August simultaneously with this, and that I get to talk about it for the last segment of our Aliens in August, is it's totally different from any other Alien movie I've ever seen or heard of. And, you liked uh, it that much, huh? Was, you know, yeah, well, I mean, just the plot is totally different, and I really yeah, did yeah. like it. I, I, it was very enjoyable. Um, and uh, 
the plot is that a I, I almost hate to spoil it because I went in knowing next to nothing about it, and uh, that I really think was kind of beneficial for me. But in order to kill some time here on the show, I am going to tell you guys about about what this movie's <laughs> about. Um, so if you're planning on seeing this movie real soon, tune out. Uh, but the the plot is that a uh, it's it, and it's almost I should I should mention the movie is told almost from like a like a combination like normal narrative and documentary so you've got like some uh, like a sociologist and and a couple other people uh, that were and they interview some people and that type of thing like after the fact so you, you get a lot of the facts from that type of uh, like like almost like a Discovery Channel type documentary type thing um, but also there there is a lot of stuff that's narrative so uh, I. The idea is that this this ship, this like mothership, giant uh, uh, Independence Day size spacecraft, comes to a halt right over uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, and I'm making all sorts of hand gestures now. Um, That's awesome. It, it, uh, I feel them. <laughs> and uh, so it comes to a halt there, and everybody's freaking out. And this is in like the early '80s, and everyone, or sometime in the '80s, anyway. And everybody's freaking out, and for, like, days, nothing happens, and, like, weeks, nothing happens, and then they wind up going and literally, like, welding into it, opening it up, and finding all these incredibly malnourished aliens in there, and the the theory is that these are, like, their ship broke, and what they have on this ship is, like, just the worker aliens, like, none of the people that really know how to fix it or anything like that, it's not really, like the smartest aliens. They basically have, like, slightly subhuman uh, intelligence. You, you, they can communicate with each other and, uh, you know, like, build things, and they understand stuff, but they're just not, like, particularly smart. And so they they move them all down to the ground and, and try and feed them, and uh, there's this whole... Uh, it, like they, basically, the area they move them into becomes a slum, and there's all sorts of crime and and all this stuff, and and all these terrible things happen. So it becomes very militarized, this slum. And the start of the actual narrative of the movie is they're going to move them from this District Nine to a, I think it's District Ten or District Twelve or something like that, uh, which is a a much worse area for for them to be in uh, for them, but it's a much easier like controlled, more controlled area for the government to watch them. And another uh, important plot uh, point is that their weapons are completely unable to be used. They're incredibly powerful weapons. Like you can tell, somebody on the alien side was very smart, but just not the not the people in the or the aliens in the ship. Um, their weapons are like incredibly awesome, but people can't use them. They like actually like interact with the alien uh, like DNA, I guess is what they say, which seems like pretty crappy science, but whatever. And uh, so. <laughs> you, you find out that basically, like th- this slum, like this whole microeconomy starts happening, and and, uh, and like a, a group of uh, Africans move into the slum and start trading them cat food. Like the aliens love cat food for all their weapons. That even even though they can't use them, they've got them all. And I think. And I could be wrong about this, but I walked away, uh, and I wouldn't say they beat you over the head with it. Like, if you want, if you went in just wanting, like, a cool alien action movie, I think you could get that out of it. But, um, like, I really think that there were, there were a lot of metaphors in this for, uh, the aliens representing, like, uh, like Africa in general, or, uh, and, and how people, uh, you know, the world wants the resources from Africa, yeah. but isn't really sure how to deal with it. And, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's a very, very cool movie. And uh, a lot of, again, kind of like in Bruges, a lot of tough questions to answer and, and uh, what's okay and what's not and what's human and what's not. Very, uh, I guess, existentialist type uh type plot and again totally different because you've got these aliens and it's more about how we as a society treat the aliens than about what the aliens are all about and what they do and so it's it's so again very interesting couple yeah i got a couple questions uh the first the first encounter the the mothership shows up it's just floating in space and we break into it or did it crash or it's just floating okay it's floating in johannesburg Okay, gotcha. It sort of, um, it sort of, so just sat there in space doing nothing, and we broke into it. Right, and yeah, there were like, uh, you know, several hundred thousand aliens stuck in there, and then uh, like they started to multiply and multiply and multiply as they got as they were on the ground. Did you did you get a sense of so these things? I'm guessing are just like humanoid. Like, what do these things look like? And did you were they just having babies? Like, we had babies. Like, how long were they there? Like, I'm actually time? really glad you asked. Um, yeah. They're uh, they they're kind of like a combination of like like. 
like a bug and like maybe like a shrimp or a lobster or something like that. Except mm. they're they're kind of different colors. And they actually there's like a derogatory term for them. They call them prawns, which isn't like what they mm. like to be yeah. called or anything. But it's like it's like a like a mean thing to call them. Um, so that's one. And then also they are they lay eggs. Uh, is, okay. Is the other answer. And they like what's the language? They're not allowed like, to lay eggs. Like if they're caught like with a with like a clutch of eggs in in their house, like their house is burned. So. Right. And how do they how do they talk with anybody? Like, is it um, just it's, the whole? It's inter- like you can tell, and it's never really explained, but it's it's more shown that they can speak in this. Like, it, it's completely incomprehensible. It's, it would be like it, like you couldn't make the noises that they make. It's like clicking and like and uh, yeah. Um, but people <laughs> Wait, understand it, and and they understand English for the most part. It's, it's like you were speaking to somebody from a foreign country. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, one other thing. So it sounds like the military is like a big character in this movie. Like the military puts them in these slums. Well, it's actually a, um, I sh- it's a it's like a paramilitary group that uh, that that takes care of the entire thing. Like a like a third party. Uh, okay. Like like a Blackwater or something like that. Okay. Gotcha. So the actual like the human characters these guys are dealing with are all military, or they're like some people that are there that are just citizens of Johannesburg um, that they deal with. Mostly they or? work for this uh, paramilitary company. Right. Is that the right. right word? Paramilitary? Is that is that my, my sure? Word? I, I, sure. Okay. You know, <laughs> I I deal a lot with uh, paramilitary. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm spent. Yeah, it's <laughs> it does it does sound interesting. Social commentaries are are definitely part of my it, part of it, my favorite. Uh, this is definitely that. Like, it's, they okay. don't beat you over the head too hard with it. I don't think. I mean. You'd have to be pretty blind to not notice that there's definitely some metaphors going on and that they're definitely trying to say something, but I don't think it's, like, yeah. too heavy-handed. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. I was reading an article, and there, I guess there's some pretty heavy uh, apartheid references, too. Yeah, yeah, the, as yeah, the apartheid is... And is I'm the, sure that goes hand-in-hand hand with the racial slurs you were talking yeah. about, the prongs or whatever. Yeah. The other part that I th- thought was interesting in the article that I was reading was... Um, I guess the they were trying to ad lib a lot of the dialogue between like the soldiers and stuff just to kind of give it a more natural feel to the whole thing. So I thought that was kind of interesting for a, like an action movie that just kind of you know ad lib a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah, the definitely. other thing is prawns. I hadn't read that, but that makes sense. The other thing I wanted to mention about this movie, and it's it's just kind of a general thing, and uh, it it might segue into something else that we we might want to talk about later but the CGI in this movie it it's really great to see um it's really great to see the CGI has reached a point where it's totally ignorable like you really Unless you're actually thinking I'm watching CGI, you really don't notice. All the alien characters are CGI, and you can't really tell. Uh, it's, I mean, they just look like real, like, weird-looking alien things. It, it's not like Jar Jar Binks noticeable. They don't look like cartoons, I guess, is what I'm right. saying. So. Um, there was already discussion. I've seen blurbs about how uh, there's a District 9 sequel talking about talking about already in the works and actually did pretty well box office too yeah, right? it's yeah, opening it weekend second I mean, last weekend I know that it's yeah pretty, 37 mil it's opening weekend which was more than the budget itself it took to make it and yeah it took second last week uh, cool. behind Glorious Bastards which I think it ended up doing like another 20 or something like that but and this is yeah. one too that um, the ad campaign I think was fairly limited but it was more like meant to be like viral um, I think I mentioned it before how I was in New York several months ago and saw a uh, like a like a street uh, or like on a bus stop it said hey, like no aliens here or something like that like no aliens at this yeah, bus yeah stop. that's right yeah it, human was, only bus yeah, stop yeah human <laughs> only bus stop and yeah it's stuff like that it was a I thought it was a pretty unique ad campaign I think that probably contributed to it and it sounded like uh, it also sounded like everybody. I just read from the other reviews that the the main guy, uh, Chartel Copley, Copley did a really good job in it. Like, he is was, it yeah, was he, any of the standouts in the in the acting? He was very good. He played a, a an incredibly um, an incredibly incompetent. Like he was leading up this whole or heading up this whole like move of the aliens to this other district, and he it was all through nepotism that he received this promotion to do this, and like he was very very good as the incompetent, completely like not capable of doing this, uh, very nervous at every step, and uh, and confused and not in the know as far as a lot of things, and he was really good at, at that. Yeah, awesome. Am I gonna have to catch this thing? And uh, again, like even with the sequel coming up, it sounds like uh, with all the the money this thing made, that maybe uh, people are ready for a little little more of a alien uh, storyline than a shoot up shoot 'em up, kill the horror aliens trying to kill us all kind of story. 
Although those are those kind of movies are on their way too. But uh, before we get to that, like, is there is there anything missing from this movie that you'd like to have seen? Like in the I guess in terms of action or in terms of just plot. No, actually, like, you know, I think um, there were a couple of points of uh, of action that I think were almost unnecessary in this. Like, I, I um, the person I went and saw this with, walking out, we started talking about like this. This was uh, this was rich enough in in characters and in uh, in plot and in story and metaphor and, and all these uh, that it really could have been a book the only thing is there was one particular scene and i i likened it to a uh to iron man there was like an iron man scene that just didn't need to be in there but i mean right sort overall, of forced was, uh, i i really really enjoyed this movie either there would have been very little that, that i would have done different with it certainly not my favorite movie ever but i really liked it cool so James, I guess I would uh, pose the question to you. We've sort of been discussing in the future if there's another, if there's a movie out there, an alien movie that could fit, fit what you'd want to see, or maybe like there was an old movie that you'd add some things to to make it your your ideal alien movie. What uh, what would the, that include? Um, well, Jeff brought up a good point about this character, or the main character you were talking about, uh, just not knowing, you know, being very unsure of himself. I kind of like it when. The main characters are normal people as opposed to, like, you know, a group of Marines or, you know, Will Smith being a, you know, <laughs> an Air Force pilot who can deal with the aliens, you know, physically and stuff. I tend to get more enjoyment out of seeing, like, you know, the Richard Dreyfuss of the world trying to figure out what the hell is going on and, you know, the whole search for the alien type of thing. Or the little kid who stumbles across an alien ET and, you know, doesn't know how to deal with it. I think that kind of... I don't know, I, I kind of miss that kind of stuff. It doesn't seem like that happens as much anymore. It's, I think they're a lot more relatable. Um, the interaction's a lot more interesting. And for the scary ones, I mean, it's a lot more scary because, I mean, these guys aren't, you know, versed oh, in weapons and stuff like that. I We're think, more prepared for I aliens. Think Jim makes We're more a prepared. really good point there. I think that uh, the two movies Jim brought up, I'm assuming you were talking about Close Encounters of the Third, time and, uh, third Kind and E.T. there, right? Yeah. I think that those in this are very character-driven movies, uh, more about about something than just about hey aliens, holy shit. And and I think that's uh, I I think that you know they're actually trying to describe a human emotion or trying to describe a human problem uh, using the aliens as sort of a plot device as opposed to the plot device being holy shit, we got to shoot the fuck out of these things. And uh, right, so. Yeah. I, Which is I, good for an action movie because I love aliens and you know they they had some you know not really deep characters but just all the you know the you know the caricature type personalities and that's good for action but yeah I think more often than not it's I think it's better off to to have characters that aren't prepared to deal with aliens. Do you have any issues with actually having like alien characters, ones that are like in the foreground and are part of the actual plot, like individual aliens, not them as races or? Um, you mean, for example, like, like for example, e- or like, something? Yeah, well, more like, you know, E.T., you've got one alien that develops a personality that sort of seems like it's different from the other aliens. Um, and it's- I tend to enjoy, I think, the the big build-up ones to, you know, that build-up to, like, the big reveal at the end, but right. E.T., I mean, it's still, I really like that movie. I think, you know, the character interaction was strong enough for that. But, uh, yeah, I do miss the, the old school, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, you know, just the long build-up to a good, you know, reveal at the end, you know, anticipation's good. I mean, even in contact where they don't really end up showing you anything at the end, the whole build-up I really enjoyed. You get to see a spaceship or something. Yeah, you get to see, like, hints of stuff, but never really a big payoff or anything, which I didn't mind, but I know some people did. So, Jeff, was that the case in District 9? Was it just the race of aliens, or was like, oh, this alien's named Frank, and Frank did a lot of stuff and was part of part of the plot, or was it well, yeah, you know, there, just there family was, by family? Um, th- there were one or two aliens that were... Uh, there were sort of a, a, the, like the, one of the main parts of the plot with the main human character. Um, and... Uh, it was it was pretty interesting the way they did it. They they did it very nicely where actually the alien that was sort of a main alien, as you would imagine, I don't think this is a big spoiler, right. is actually like significantly smarter than the rest of the aliens and is trying to like figure out a way a way out of this situation and stuff. And um, it was uh, it I, you know I didn't mind it at all. I thought it was kind of good. I thought actually one of the really interesting things they did is uh, the, the guy the incredibly incompetent main character, main human character, is uh, and when I say incredibly incompetent, this guy is an anti-hero. You really don't like this guy at all. Um, I mean, he's okay, but he's just, you know, like, there's nothing heroic about him whatsoever. And, um, 
He's not even like Richard Dreyfus, where you like him because he's a family guy and he's yeah. just doing his best. <laughs> just, just in you describing him, I'm picturing Upham from Saving Private Ryan kind of <laughs> running around. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I can see that. Yeah. That's that's probably not inaccurate. Um, okay. So, uh, but he he calls him. He's like looking at his list, and and he calls the the alien like Christopher or something. Like they, it's very clear that they gave them all names uh, like, that, that that they could say, which I think is really uh, another interesting thing. Like you know, like everybody, like they used to give slaves names and stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah, a lot can be read into that. Yeah. That's great. So, question for you: um, yeah. being a sci-fi fan and a lover of music, it seems like like all my favorite. Sci-fi movies have great soundtracks, you know, as far as, you know, musical scores and stuff, you know, E.T., The Aliens, Close Encounter, Star Wars, Star Trek, even Superman. Um, did this movie seem to have a good soundtrack at all, or that wasn't really a moving point in this movie? You know, it was good. Um, I don't, and I, I feel terrible saying this because it's not something I like admitting, but I'll, I'll go on the record as saying I don't notice the soundtrack in movies where it's not very prominent as much as you guys do anyway. Um, if I were to watch it again, I would, I would probably notice something a little bit more, but, uh, it was good. I remember certain points it, it, it doing pretty well. Uh, but for the most part, I don't really, it wasn't like E.T. or Star Wars. Right. There wasn't any sweeping anthems or anything. Right. No, it wasn't, it wasn't amazing. Yeah. What was great about that question, James, is when you were saying it, you're like, yeah, as a lover of music and, uh, a fan of sci-fi, I'm like, oh, he's talking to me, he's talking about me, okay, cool, and then you're like, and then you're just like, oh, you know, I like these movies, and I really look toward to the music, I'm like, okay, it's not about me, and then I thought you were asking me the question, then you say, oh, so what do you think about District 9 and the music, and it was, I felt really sad. You know what I love is that Greg found a way to talk about something that had nothing to do with him for at least 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought I was the only one that could do that. (laughs) Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, It it seems like, I don't know, in a lot of the sci-fi movies, I mean, the big thing that I miss, and this is kind of going back to the old school ones, is I miss just, like, the sense of wonderment of it all, just kind of, like, seeing something and just being in awe about something. And I think it's to the point where it's just because we're so jaded by overexposure of all the different alien movies that nothing is new to us anymore. A couple of the weapons that. in this were really fucking badass. I found myself, like, mouth agap, kind of grinning like an idiot, like, a little bit, a couple times. <laughs> so you do see them in action? They actually get used at some point? Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. That's, yeah, I, like, in terms of movie, the alien movies that I like or like to see, like, really, I think there are a lot of the horror genre out there that, I, I I can live with seeing horror movies that just deal with like there's one coming up called Pandorum with like Dennis Quaid where it's just hey you know I'm in space there's these bad guys that want to kill me that are most likely aliens and hopefully I can figure out what their deal is and escape them and not die or maybe punch kill them, them off etc. No no yeah punch them in the big clown noses yeah exactly and like I th- those are fine being out there I'll see those blasted or see them when I watch Ghoulies 2 etc yeah, I mean but, I can handle it on a level yeah, like yeah. the first alien and, movie and that's about it but really yeah the ones that I, I do like your point about the wonderment thing where ones where it's just like what the hell like oh my god is that an alien yes it is what the hell is it doing here and dealing with that for the next 50 minutes and then maybe some actual like encounters with it or just maybe a little bit of like with this movie, District 9, it sounds like just a situation where you realize something about, not to be super over the top, uh, trying to find the right uh, word for it, but just not a lame, like, hey, I feel, I've realized something about myself after the end of this movie, which, you know, sort of usually happens in any movie, but not really over the top like that, but something where you just realize, uh, something new about yourself through the encounters with the aliens. Like, yeah, maybe not a whole, oh, humans are better than aliens or humans always win, but something, Something important, and it sounds like it's a. Uh, it's definitely. Like, there's a, no way I would have fucking done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely apparent in District Nine, but uh, hopefully we can see more of that, more of that soon. Um, they're really like looking ahead. There really aren't any movies that seem like they're going to be doing that. Like you've got Avatar coming out uh, a ways yeah. from now. You know, which tell I think me is about December. Avatar because when we went and saw, I know you've been preaching this for a while, and I really don't know anything about it. But when we went and saw Inglorious Bastards, we saw the trailer for Avatar, and it looked like it's going to blow. So sell me on Avatar after I don't, having seen that trailer. All right, well, James Cameron. Uh, yeah, we, yeah I, we saw I, I the trailer. That. James Cameron, the mas- the master, uh, who did end up being tied to Titanic, which is sort of unfortunate. Great movie, ah, of course, on. but. I don't have a problem with Titanic being on a list, but anyways, um, 
big the big deal about Avatar was mainly the technology involved, which is what James Cameron's like forte is. He always uses the new toys, and the big thing about Avatar was going to be there's a lot of CGI in it. Being the aliens in the movie are all CG, and the what they did was sort of the same thing with uh, Golem and Lord of the Rings, where they had just actors out in front, not complete green suits or gray suits, but uh, out in the shot portraying the alien figure so people could deal with, interact with it at the same time. But what the technology allowed was they had specific sensors on them, not just to be able to see what they're doing, but they could he could see almost like the final cut of when the actor turns his head, it turns its head and looks at him, and it's almost like he's watching the movie as he's recording it. And that's, so there's no rendering. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's crazy uh, how all the shit that's put into it. But in terms of the plot, like really it's going to be another situation where uh, humans arrive at a new planet. Uh, I don't think it's actually completely new. They've been interacting with this race for a long time, and it comes into a whole, you know, another social commentary situation where we're the powerful ones in the situation. We're dealing with, you know, Neanderthal aliens that don't have the technology we do that are a little bit more uh, just physical beat with clubs while we have lasers and what kind of moral issues you deal with when you're trying to suppress like a, a race of this kind and what and there's some people in between it that are trying to figure out hey you know we work for the military maybe this isn't right maybe we should do something else and then you've got the other heroes of the alien race trying to deal with fighting off the human it's almost like a you know like columbus invades america and the indians trying to figure out how to deal with them and fu- yeah, fight so them it sounds off. like the big drawing power is the spectacle so if you're saying that the trailer looked like crap that, that could be a bad sign i don't i like i I was sort of just waiting for the movie to come. I was so pumped for uh, Glorious Bastards to come on. I don't remember much of the trailer, but it's out there to watch. And it looks like uh, a World of Warcraft cartoon. <laughs> there's a lot of CG in it. There's a lot of. It kind of sounds in like the, the Beowulf experience I had. Um, I, I'll I will be interested in seeing it for sure. And yeah. it is like it's coming out in December, so it's a ways off. But uh, would this yeah, those fit? Are probably my two big ones: the Glorious Bastards and Avatar, the two ones that intrigue me the most. Yeah, just because James Cameron's finally coming out of his documentary, yeah, seriously. documentary underwater shell, um, it, it, I, I will be pumped to see it. And uh, uh, it's there are some big names in it, uh, but a lot of it's gonna be voice acting too because all the aliens are CG and they're a big part of the movie. So, um, yeah, that's one. That is one movie that uh, in the future, in terms of alien speaking, alien wise, it will be interesting to see. There's there really isn't much else. Like, you've got Pandora with Dennis Quaid. There's the fourth kind movie coming up, which I'm not even sure who's in that, but it's supposed to be another... Mila Jovovich, so it's probably a generic action film. Yeah, and she gets abducted. Inter- like, yeah, it's supposed to be a yeah, fourth encounter kind of thing. Too. Probably. Probably. Which I think... there's a. I remember that she was in t- she was in Michigan for recording. I wonder if it was for that movie. That was a while ago. That would have been interesting. Apparently Michigan would show up in the abduction flick of the fourth kind. Uh, the one other one I wanted to bring up, which we discussed in Aliens of August already... Uh, Predator is coming back for a, a reboot. It's calling Pred- It's being called Predators, and it's gonna. This is a thing that Robert Rodriguez is producing, which is it's it got an interesting story because apparently uh, Robert Rodriguez. I think we mentioned Predators was gonna be released again a while ago, but I'll bring it up uh, bring it up again because it's Aliens in August. Why not? But uh, Robert Rodriguez uh, actually wrote. Uh, not a script for it, but like an expansion of the world of the Predator a long time ago, like 15 years ago, and it's been sort of like sitting on the back burner, and they're finally getting, uh, getting the go on the Predator's movie. I know he's not directing it, he's just producing it, but it's gonna be sort of another interesting situation like you had with your, uh, with Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where he's pretty much wrote it, not really, but wrote most, more of the story, he's producing it, but he's not exactly the director, like, the director, of course, you like usually has complete uh, complete control, but the producer obviously has the 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 coin purse. So I guess we'll see how much it turns out to be his baby than uh, anyone else's. I know the director yeah, was already... directing. That'd be kind of weird, I think. I yeah, his style matches a predator style. Yeah, but... yeah, possibly. Not but... that I really agreed with what they're doing with Predator versus Aliens, anyway. But yeah, and this this might be a movie I go see, but it's going to be for the fact of just seeing something, you know, mind like just vi- visuals and. Funny, uh, funny irony references. Hopefully, and I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but it's not going to be the social commentary I'd like. I'd like in an alien movie. So it's that time again in our uh, episode where we have to look back at our last week's Parker Posey play along. We get to. We get to. We get to. You're right. I am. It's a privilege. It really is. Um, we weren't able to do this the two weeks before this because we're pre-recording. So it's going to be a good time catching up on some of the answers. Uh, we aren't going to be bringing up any of the older. Uh, 
anything older than last week's answers, unfortunately, but we will get to last week's. Uh, the last week's question was uh, for myself, and it was, if you could re- if you could re-release a movie in theaters, what movie would it be and why? And uh, two things I want to point out. Uh, one, Jim P., uh, a user at Gunga Pit, who was around really early on at the stages of the podcast and the forums, has uh, been able to come back and start posting again. It's great to have him here. Some good answers, too. Some of the uh, best answers. <laughs> Some good answers. Uh, Some of the very good answers from best. everybody. <laughs> he listed he listed a few, but the other the other thing I wanted to mention, which was my favorite favorite pick of that week, was he wanted to re-release Harold and Maude, which we've mentioned on the show a couple times, a movie that I think a lot of us have liked, uh, solely for the reason that him and his wife would love to go on a date to go see it, and I thought that was the the coolest thing ever. Like they both oh. seen it already. I yeah, honestly, it's it's so cute. You've ever heard, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. Is. I'm. I'm I'm melting just thinking about it, but uh, it's. I, uh, I preferred his Godfather answer, but whatever. <laughs> you would, you would, but yeah. So, what other what other ones uh, stuck out in your guys' head? Um, my favorite was by uh, a poster on Facebook, uh, Zombie John Hughes. He liked Beethoven second. <laughs> oh, Zombie John Hughes! <laughs> zombie John Hughes! Why did he say his reasons? No, that's all he said. And then he said, uh, 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 he, said he actually wrote it out. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, Jeff, did you have any, any specific ones that came out? Yeah, but it's going to be tough. I can't even talk. Uh, that's, that's great. I didn't even realize Zombie John Hughes posted on Facebook. Um, I actually really liked our, our loyal live listener, Dean's answer. Um he he really can't think of anything that he really wants to see again, but he would like to see Waterworld fail again, which is hilarious. I think. <laughs> Water that, that's fine. I guess it could fail again too. Maybe it'll be a smash hit this time. You never know. People might show up People in droves like to, to do go things ironically. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And uh, one I other thing I'd like to is retro chic now. <laughs> the one other thing I wanted to mention was. Uh, Michelle W. mentioned Young Guns, which she put as a joke, and then Joshua mentioning, oh, you stole my Young Guns answer. <laughs> uh, that was pretty funny, too. A uh, lot of fun on Gunga Pet and on Facebook. Again, you can answer the Parker Posey. We'll post it uh, on Facebook at uh, the Movie Hour page. Just search for that. And uh, also at GungaPit.com. We don't plug Gunga Pit enough. Uh, GungaPit.com yeah, is, Gungapit.com the, is the, a lot of fun. Our home. Anything you feel like yeah. putting up there, we're all, I mean, you, you're listening to us, a bunch of dorks. Uh, we, 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 we would love to see anything funny or interesting that you have to put up there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Jeff, let's move on to the new Parker Posey, which I believe you have for us. The new Parker Posey, um, rounding out the month of August, uh, the Aliens in August theme, is uh, I'm going to ask an alien-related question, and that is, if any movie alien that you're aware of could be real, which one would you like it to be and why? Not one specific alien. If it's a whole race of aliens, it's a whole race of aliens. Um, but or if it's just one alien, it's one alien. But uh, if anyone could be an actual reality, which one would you like it to be, and why? Um, and, I, uh, I, I need to ask some questions, like usual. So this alien. So if I pick aliens, like from Aliens the movie, they show up like in a group. There's a hive of them, or is there one, or what? Like, what's the situation? Um, let's just go with the encounter situation would be the exact same encounter situation as in the movie. Okay. And they would just appear, they would be on, okay. So in that situation, we'd encounter them in space in some futuristic situation. Right. It would be, it would be a now situation. NASA has, you know, unbeknownst to us, NASA has some sort of thing going on and we go look at the other thing. (laughs) So it's, give it, call it modern times, but, uh, but a similar, uh, a similar, uh, engagement situation. Right. This reminds me of a question to delay even further that we had a while ago, just between friends about discussing like if any, creature of fiction could be real like what would you pick and we had to like lay out all the guidelines and stuff but i like this just aliens i like it so what's your what's your answer sir um you know it's 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 a little bit weird and uh i haven't even seen the movie but based on what i've heard about it uh i think i would want the aliens from the day the earth stood still i i like the idea of aliens that sit in judgment of humankind. I think think that that's very interesting. Like, hey, idiots. I don't know. I I get a huge kick out of that. I think that that would be the type of uh, kick in the face that humankind might need to really, like, pull together and start doing 
and you know, I don't mean it in a very specific way or any political sense, but just to kind of, it would be really nice if everyone can kind of get on the same page, and I think that'd be the best kind of alien to do it. We didn't want to come down here, but you guys are just fucking everything up so bad that we need to stop by and tell you guys what's going on. Right? That's that's not bad. That's not bad. James, you have a you have a pick. Um, as much as I would love to say Kryptonians, you know, have a bunch of Superman flying around. Yeah, I, I got to go with Wookies. Wookies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're obviously just going to be our best friends, just from how they're portrayed in the movies. Yeah. I know they're good people. You just but... have to scratch them behind the ear, and they love you. Yeah, I mean, you can talk to them, and you already and they talk to you, and you already know what they're saying. My but, uh, yeah, and plus, it'd be awesome just to see him play sports with us and stuff, you know. It'd <laughs> you be like a giant superior? team running around, yeah. They would be, <laughs> I think they'd be superior. Did you see him run, though? I mean, he, he did not run that well. <laughs> True, but that photo that I have that I used for uh, one of them was uh, Chewbacca throwing the pitch out of baseball game. Yeah. Classic. It was yeah, awesome. That is, that is absolutely classic. So going By the way, I, this is totally random, but did I, did I tell you guys when I lived in Philly on Halloween, and I have a picture of it someplace, I might even try and find it and post it on the Gunga Pit, uh, picture of Chewbacca uh, in a Phillies uniform. Nice. Like in the stands or just... No, what? no, at, like on Halloween, just walking oh, down okay, my street. Oh, okay, at a party. That's crazy. That's awesome. So, so somebody spent money renting a Chewbacca costume? Maybe he owns it. <laughs> as far as I know, he owns the thing. That's great. Um, I have an answer. I'm going with the, the comedic spin because I'm an asshole. And we forgot to bring this up before, so I'm happy we got we got to revisit full circle back to uh, one of my favorite aliens. And that's uh, I'm going with critters. The critter aliens, the ball <laughs> things that shoot porcupine spikes at people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For two reasons. One, uh... With those aliens, there are also the. I would assume this is part of the deal. There were the alien hunters that come down with them, though, like the anti critter guys. But they're like, they're supposed to be connected in some way. So I think they're like sort of the same pool of people. It's like the ape and us, and they can transform into whatever they see. So the like, I think Billy Zane, of course, it would be nice to see Billy Zane running around as an alien, also. But uh, Billy Zane just like takes different shapes of what so he sees like a supermodel cover and turns into that supermodel and starts walking around it's great um and they try to kill the, the critters but the critters are also they have a very they've got a, a little piece of a little little hint of comedic you know comedic genius in them from all those movies you got to see it they pretty much roll into people eat them shoot stuff at them and then bite on their heels non-stop and they're just the funniest so if you're gonna creature. die you might as well get a laugh right before you yeah die. you know like, <laughs> look when, at these little and, critters and if there's anything that's gonna unite unite the human race it's a it's a sea of little furry things that shoot porcupine spikes out at you and stun you so speaking um, of uh if you're and gonna I think we die, have a chance you think we have a chance? I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you before you're done but yeah. speaking of if you're gonna die uh dot 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 by the hands of an alien. I, I was really surprised Jim did not pick species. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> ooh. That would have been a good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a live listener asked her, uh, Josh brings up Vulcans, which he was actually involved in the whole fictional character, fictional creature coming to life thing, uh, mainly because they would teach us all kinds of cool shit and their whole uh, logic, I would, in quotes, belief system are, uh, is pretty interesting. And they're peaceful. Peaceful and nice is what he also wanted to wanted to get by. So they won't show up and kill us. Although it's sort of interesting, like if you're gonna follow the the logic, like why isn't it logical for just the Vulcans just to take us over and enslave us? Like, is it's not violence isn't against like their edict? If I can yeah, use violence that word, isn't right? Like, like they they I know they had the whole violent thing Look on their own you. You on found, their own planet. You found a flaw in Star Trek. Go to a convention <laughs> and tell Leonard Nimoy all about it. <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> you guys, I Remember an episode. I, uh, <laughs> I hate all of you. Uh, another. I'm happy we're back. I'm happy we're back. I like the nerd it. voice myself. I miss you guys. <laughs> yeah, the Vulcans aren't supposed to hate us. Uh, an excellent Parker Posey question. Uh, so if you could bring an alien creature to life uh, to the real world, what would it be? And the encounter would be similar to the encounter in the movie. Uh, Jeff's question, everybody. Everybody thank him for that that genius. We'll, we'll post it on gungapit.com and at Facebook. You can find it there. A sad, a sad ending, but it had to be done to Aliens in August. I'm happy I got to share it with you guys, and it was it was a good wrap-up. And we'll... Uh, 
It's good we'll to come be back. back. We'll come back strong next week. We'll come back strong next week. We got a new we got a new uh, pitcher, and we'll see if we can take him out in the out in the semis. Guys, thank you uh, per usual for the input. Hope everyone enjoyed. Thanks for listening. Drive safe. Thank you for listening. Thank you, live listeners. Thank you, uh, everyone listening this Thursday, Friday. Go catch uh, go catch some movies, and we'll talk about it. Yeah, and Glorious Bastards, District 9, both really good. Enjoy both of them. See everyone later. Thanks again for listening. The Ashton Kutcher Movie Butcher Movie Hour.